You may be seated this morning. Thank you for being here with us today. My name is John. I am blessed to be the pastor here at this amazing church. And I want to thank you for being back. Uh, Some of you uh, I've already met in the hallway and coming in this morning that you were here last week, maybe for the first time, and you you are back joining us for the the Sunday after Easter. It's always this big buildup for Easter. And then and so I'm thankful you're here uh, today. And, and we started a series last week called The Real God. And we started kind of thinking about the fact that all of us have a distorted image of who God is. We all have this distorted image uh, because of uh, really our, our view of God, who we visualize God to be or think God is, or how we, you know, whether I, I expressed last week that I, I grew up kind of viewing God that he was uh, a cross between a principal and a judge, and those were not really good things in my life, just to be honest with you, and, and then maybe a police officer thrown in there, like he's just always trying to get me caught, there's all these rules, and, and, and that's what I, how I viewed God. You may have a completely different perspective from the way that you grew up. I want you to do me a favor this morning, all right? I want you to, to close your eyes for a moment. Don't, don't go to sleep, just close your eyes for a moment. And, and usually when the pastor says close your eyes, it's about time to zip your Bibles up and get out of here, but that's not where we're at, all right? We're not in that part. Just close your eyes for a moment. I want you to do something for me. I want you to, uh, in your mind, to mentally go back, to, to go to the place in your mind that you're about to enter into a special moment, a special time of prayer. Maybe, maybe there's a big need in your life, even right now, this morning. Uh, maybe you can think about a time in your life when life was difficult. And, 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 and to be honest with you, there we're a lot of different people in the room this morning. Some of us have, uh, maybe some of you have talked to God every single day. And some of you are like, I don't ever talk to God. And, and so this is kind of weird right now. But I, I want you just to, to, to enter into that um, kind of mental thought. I'm about to to have a conversation with the Lord. And I wonder, as your eyes are closed and you've kind of got yourself in that mental state, who do you view God to be? What's the mental image you have in your mind right now of who God is? Is he a good, good father? Is he the shepherd? You know, I think of Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Is he the judge that's angry at you right now? Is he the cop sitting there with a speed trap hidden in the trees just waiting to catch you? Is he an angry father who you never can quite live up to his expectations? What is this mental image you have of God and here's what I want you to do this morning as, as we kind of close this little segment out. I want you to just, to, I want to guide you in a prayer right now. No matter what that, in, that image you came in with this morning, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to talk to God, and here's what I, I want you to, want to, to just kind of give your heart to him and just say, Lord, I want to see you more clearly. Lord, I want to see you as you long for me to see you. Lord, I want to hear from you today. 
God, would you speak to me? I'm listening. I'm open to hear you in this moment. Lord, we thank you for this day. And, and Lord, as we, as individuals, maybe as families, as a church here gathered in this room, we ask that at, in the next few minutes, whatever our image of you is, that as we begin to look and to maybe tighten the focus of who you are, we, we want to hear from you today. Reveal yourself to us that we may know you more clearly. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, God is good. All the time. See, I was trying to just catch you off guard, but you guys got it. You guys are good. Hey, turn in your Bibles to Exodus. We're going to get to Exodus chapter 33 in a moment. Uh, again, this is a, a topical series as we kind of try to bring into focus who God really is. And so we're going to have a lot of scripture that we're going to walk through this morning. And you remember last week we made this statement, if you're here, what comes to your mind uh, when we think about God, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us or the most important thing about you. And I think that's why this series is really important because if we're going to follow God, or the, the reality is that God created us, we're created beings in the image of God, and that since God created us, He really is the only one, the only person who can actually bring fulfillment into our life. He's the only person that can bring purpose in our life because he's our creator. He created you specifically. He designed you and he designed you for a purpose. That's awesome to think about that, that God created you no matter how young you are in this room or how not so young you are in this room, that God still has a purpose and a plan for you specifically for your life. That's awesome to think about, that the creator didn't just like put you out here to do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, and um, we'll see you at the end. No, God has a specific plan and a purpose for you, and you're never going to find and fulfill that purpose until you really see God as he longs for you to see him. And so that's this journey that we're on, to kind of bring into focus maybe some of the distorted images we have of who God is. The one we're going to talk about this morning is that God is good. I'm glad God's good, aren't you? So here's like the two big ones. God is good, and next week we're going to talk about that God is, you know, the big word is sovereign. God is good, and God is in control. And, and understand, if you believe that God is in control of everything, then you really have to be grateful that God is good. And, and so in your outline this morning, there's these three uh, statements, three words, really. And I want you to understand this morning, whether you realize it or not, when you walked in and as you're walking in this journey of life, that every one of us are in a battle right now. Okay? And I'm not talking about, you know, the relationships you're in, okay? I'm not talking about that. I really wanted to ask Ben if his friend was still married that gave him that advice, but I don't want to ask. But that's not the battle I'm talking about. The battle is for your heart. The battle is for your heart. Every one of us have this battle. Who or what are we going to give our heart to? Who or what are we going to give our passions to? Who or what are we going to give our time, our commitment, our loyalty to? 
So as a follower of Jesus, I hope that my loyalty, my heart, is pursuing one person, and that is Jesus. I want to pursue him. It's a battle for our heart. Here's, so, so if you're taking notes, the first is the battle, right? The battle is our heart. The second one is the barrier. <laughs> so all of us have this barrier. And the barrier is, how many of you, so I, I think that this is going to be divided maybe a little bit on um, our lines of our age, okay? And we're going to see. I could be completely wrong. Who knows what FOMO means? Raise your hand if you know what FOMO means, Okay. Raise your hand up high, FOMO, all right? So I'm just trying to figure out the room. Okay, yeah, it's, it maybe has a little bit to do with age, but it's just uh, most of you don't know, okay? So it just stands for fear of, okay, some of you are like fearful that I'm not going to give the answer. Fear of missing out. How many of you have ever experienced FOMO, the fear of missing out? I, I have a confession for you, and this is going to make you judge me, I know, but I, I don't care. Um, I have this fear bad. Like even in a setting, so, well, let's just say after church, we're gonna, there's going to be pockets of people gathered around, four or five people. They're going to be talking. They're going to be talking. I'm going to be engaged in this conversation, and I really want to talk to you. I, I do. And then I'm going to hear something about this conversation. All of a sudden, guess where my mind is going? That conversation sounds pretty interesting. Mine's not so interesting anymore. And then I'm thinking about this conversation over here, and like, Anybody else like that? Please raise your hand and make me feel something. <laughs> That's the way I am. And it's like, and, and like, if there's a lot of things going on, like let's just pretend, like a carnival, I'm, I, I usually end up doing nothing because I feel like, oh, wait, they look like they're having fun. Or no, they look like they're having fun. I'm weird, I know, but that's just who I am. But you know, that's the same fear that Adam and Eve had in the garden. You remember, they were, they, were, they were created in innocence, perfect before God, perfect relationship with God, and God gave them one thing not to do, don't eat of this one fruit of this one tree. And what was it that Satan said to them? What was the deception? What was the temptation was, hey, you're missing out. God, you, you surely won't die. God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you will be like him. God is withholding from you because the reality is if God was withholding from them, then God is not good. So this underlying what, what drives a lot of our sin, what well, says here, this big idea in your bulletin, our distorted view of God is at the root of all our sin and doubt. So let's just think for a moment this morning, if we could change our perspective of who God is, and maybe you didn't even realize when you came in this morning that you were thinking this, but let's think for a moment, what if God really was good? What if God really intended for everything in my life, everything that comes into my life, everything that he allows into my life, what if we allowed ourselves to believe that God was going to bring good out of it? What, what if we really believe that God was a good, good father. You, you know, in Luke, it said, how, you know, if you being evil, speaking of all of us, if you being evil know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father give everything to those who love him? So let's just for a moment think, God is good. And God does want what's best for 
you. It would change our perspective on a lot of things. God is good. That's the barrier. So here's the breakthrough. I just gave it to you. God is good. That's the breakthrough to understand that everything that comes into my life has been filtered through a good, good God. And this good, good God is always, Romans 8.28 says, he's always working everything for my good and his glory. Now, again, this doesn't mean that that the scripture does not say everything in life is good. Because of Adam and Eve and sin, the original sin, sin entered in the world. And because of sin, there's bad things that happen. But God can work all things out for good, for my good, because ultimately he is good. Believe that God is good. So Exodus chapter 33, I had you turn there already. And, and I'll you know, quickly give you a synopsis. As nation of Israel has just come out of Egypt, they've seen amazing miracles that God has performed. They, they've been delivered. They've been redeemed. They've been brought out of slavery. And now they're, they're in this, the, the chosen people of God. In verse number 18 of chapter 33, Moses says, God, show me your glory. And, and wouldn't a good, good God request everything that we ask of him well let's think about it for a moment look at the scripture verse number 19 so Moses asked in verse 18 show me your glory verse 19 and then Jesus or the Lord said I will make all my goodness pass before you might ought to highlight that the word goodness he could have used a lot of different words here but God says to Moses when Moses requests show me your glory God says well I'm going to show you my my goodness I'm going to have my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, so it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my bag. My face shall not be seen." In other words, God says, I'm going to reveal my goodness to you, my compassion, my mercy to you. But Moses, what you're asking for, for me to reveal my glory to you would destroy you. In other words, it's a great principle here to realize that, that a good, good God doesn't always give exactly what we're asking. We understand that as parents, don't we? When our kids uh, ask and ask and ask, there's just some things they don't need yet. There's just some things they don't ever need. There's things that they think are for their good, but we know will be for their destruction. Are you you tracking with me? Shake your head. Okay, you all look like you're maybe wanting a nap already, okay? Man, that made me tired just shaking my head. God is good. And he tells Moses, I'm not going to show you my glory, but I'm going to show you my goodness. That I'm a God of compassion. And we see in this one little picture, we can't just pass over to think about this. God knew that what Moses was asking for would destroy him. And so God did not give it. Why? Because God is good. God is good. All right, so the barrier. Let's think that God really is good. 
And there's three proofs. We're going to walk through this, this rest of this outline pretty quickly this morning. There's three proofs that God is good. Uh, number one, God's blessings. You woke up this morning. That's a blessing of God. Okay? You, you breathe air this morning. Some of you may be a little more difficult than others. Some of you have a longer procedure maybe of getting up. But the reality is you got up. God blessed you. You live in a country where you understand that 99% of the world lives way worse than we live. That, that most of the world lives on a dollar or two a day. And, and we, how me, I'm going to say me, complain about whatever I have or don't have. And the reality is God has blessed us beyond comparison. And I, I think, for, well... I'm going to give you my confession. I think personally for me, I don't stop enough to just thank God for all he's given me. Remember the old song, count your blessings, name them. What was it? One by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your many blessings, and it will what? Surprise you what the Lord has done. You know why it will surprise you? Because we spend most of our time griping about what we don't have. Me included. Count your blessings. Look at Psalms 107. I'm going to read it real quick. It'll be on the screen. Excuse me, Psalms 145. I won't read it as quickly as I thought it was. I've got to turn there now. Psalms 145, verse 7 and 9 says, They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is, I love this passage, the Lord is gracious. He's full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. Skip over there uh, to verse 16. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. God is good. Look at his blessings. Look around and see how God has blessed you. we just don't do that enough, do we? We don't, we don't look around at how God has blessed us enough. And, and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm one of the worst. I'm, there's always something else I wish God would do for me. Can, can I get an amen to that? And I stop to think, look at all God has done for me. And every once in a while, Joy and I will sit and just think, wow, God has, God has blessed us. Do, do you stop and pause? Look around? And look at the blessings of God. Number two there, God's deliverance. God's deliverance. Now turn over to Psalms 107. God's deliverance. I'm, ga- I'm glad that the Lord delivers. Psalms 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed the hand from the hand of the enemy. I'm not going to take the time to read the rest of this chapter, but I would challenge you to take time to read it. There's like four different opportunities in this passage of Scripture, four different, uh, four different times in this passage where God delivers, where the people come to God and they have an issue, they have a problem, and they cry out to God, and God delivers them. Take time this afternoon to read this passage. Now look at verse 43, the last verse of this chapter. Again, there's four instances in this chapter of God help me, God delivers. God help me, God delivers. God help me, God delivers. Verse 43, whoever is wise will observe these things. They will understand the loving kindness 
of the Lord. So God's blessings, we want to look around and see God's blessings. God's deliverance, we want to look back. Look back on God's blessings, his deliverance. Remember we made this statement a few months ago. We said that, that when we live our life in fear, that we forget the faithfulness of God. When we live our life in fear, we forget the faithfulness of God. Now, I want you to turn to Lamentations chapter 3. Now, if you're not real familiar with the Bible, good luck finding it, okay? It's one of the hardest ones, in my opinion, to find. In fact, I even marked it in my Bible today, all right? So if, you, if you're new uh, to the Bible, there's always, uh, and most every Bible has a, uh, a table of contents. You can get the page number, or you can just wait. It's going to be up on the screen for us this morning, all right? Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. I, I love that verse. Everybody look up on the screen. You see what verse 21 here is saying? This I recall to my mind. In other words, the author is taking time to look back and remember the deliverance, the faithfulness, the blessings of God. It says, this I recall to my mind, and because I recall this to my mind, because I can remember the faithfulness of God, because I look back at when God rescued me, when God delivered me, when God blessed me, what does the remembrance, the looking back on God's faithfulness, what does it lead us to have? It says right there, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have what? Hope. You see, the greatest promise of Future faithfulness is remembering back on his past faithfulness. Let's keep reading. Verse 22. Though the Lord's mercies were not consumed because, of his, compassion, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Save my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. God's blessings, God's deliverance, look around, look back. And the third one, God's redemption. God's redemption. So here's a, a pretty important question. We, we've, we've come in with the assumption this morning, or at least I've come with the assumption this morning to, to tell you that God is good. Look at his blessings, look how he's provided, look around, look back at his deliverance. Now we're saying look at the redemption. So the question still is, but how do I know that God is good? How do I know that God is good? Because it seems like if God was good, all these bad things weren't happening. And, and that's a legitimate question. And, and let me just be really like transparent with you this morning. Uh, this hit me pretty heavy earlier this morning when I was kind of re-going through my notes. That in my, in my life, me personally, I, I, I really have not gone through a lot of hurt. I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of uh, emotional scars. I mean, I'm a little weird, but I don't have any, like, God has protected me from so much. When I, when I sit and I listen to, to, honestly, some of your stories, and I look over the audience and I know some of your stories, I'm not trying to make eye contact with anyone right now, and, and I know the hurt and the pain 
and suffering that you've gone through. And, I, and, and this morning it was like God was just saying to me, for me personally, God has saved me from a lot of that. And I'm thankful for that. But I would also say as your pastor this morning that, that as I've watched some of you for, for now like 20 years or longer, and I've seen some of the pain and the hurt and, and heard some of your stories, the, the way that you have walked through dark days has inspired me, it has encouraged me, it has made me think, wow, God is good. He, he's protected me from a lot, but some of you, God has walked through a lot with you. Amen. And, and I would just say, thank you for letting me see God in you, in your circumstances. And I, I feel like sometimes, at least for me, it's like because my life has been, for the most part, pretty good, that it could come across like, well, of course God is good. You, you've, you had great parents. You had one good sibling. The other two, I'm not so much. No. I'll let you all figure that out. But can I say, through the bad times in life or the good times in life, God is good. I'm not trusting that God is good because he does good things for me. I'm trusting that God is good because God is good. Amen. And I've, I've, even more probably than observing it in my own life, I've seen it in a lot of your lives. But how do I, still I wrestle with this question, how do I know that God is good? And, and your outline gives you these two, these two points that, that Jesus, it says right here, Jesus is the proof that God is good. Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's an important word that we really go over quickly in that verse. God demonstrated his love. God showed his love. God expressed his love. God proved his love by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. But there's an important word for God demonstrated his love for us while. Think about that. While we were sinners. See, God loved me so much that he, he wasn't waiting for me to clean myself up and to fix whatever needs to be fixed before he was going to do something for me. You see, it's not, of, it's not of works. God did all the work. He sent a son that, wow, I was yet a sinner running from him. He sent a son to die for me. If, if that does not prove God's love to you, then I'm afraid nothing else will. God demonstrated his love to you, to me, that even in my sin, he sent his son to die for me. Not, not only is it proof, but look at the next statement there. It says Jesus is the guarantee of our future or of future goodness. I love this verse, Romans 8, 32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, if it's going to be for my good, God's going to give it to me. L listen to that again. If it's going to be for my good, 
God is going to give it to me. If it's not going to be for my good, should I want God to give it to me? No. We're, we're like the kid having the, the temper tantrum because we want whatever it is we want. And our parents know it's not good for you. No, you can't play football in the street. How many of you played football in the street as a kid? Man, you survived, but... The town I grew up in was uh, on the side roads was all red brick streets. Anybody ever grow up in a town like that? Red brick streets. And uh, I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story. I wasn't even supposed to say that anyways. Think about that verse. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for he proved his love. And what he says in his word here is that if he gave us the greatest gift, his son, Jesus, why would he withhold other good things from us? Why would he withhold anything good from us? If he gave us the greatest thing they could give us, the thing that would cost him the most, the thing that would cost him the most pain, his own son, Jesus, crucified on the cross. Remember the words of Jesus on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If God would willingly give us his son, why would he withhold anything good from us? So this goes back to our, our thought as we began this morning is, could we change our way of thinking to think that God really is good and that everything that I have that God has given me is because he's good? And everything I don't have that I wish I could have that God has not given me God is still good. Why would he withhold anything that's going to benefit me and bring him glory if he didn't withhold his son? You see, Jesus proved for God's love. So the next question that's on your outline, how should I respond to God's goodness? Great question. How should I respond to God's, to God's goodness? There's three answers. Number one, is repent and receive. Repent and receive God's gift. I love this verse, Romans 2, where you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Think about it. The God who created the universe loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty of your sin debt so that you could have eternal life. And all you have to do is repent of your sins and receive the gift of eternal life. Let me say that again. All you have to do is repent of your sins and receive eternal life. You don't have to sign up to be a church member for the next 40 years of your life. You don't have to commit to give 10 or 20 or 30% of your income for the next 20 years, right? All you have to do to have eternal life is repent and receive the gift that God is already, already trying to give you. Repent and receive the gift of eternal life. Number two, how should I respond? Submit and surrender your life fully to him. Submit and surrender your life fully to him. I was, it's been termed as a Romans 12, 1 Christian. So on the screen here it says, I beseech you or I beg you, brethren, 
by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And, and I come over here specifically because uh, this is our younger section. So if you want to feel younger, come sit over here. But this is our younger section. And I, I look over here every week and I think of uh, this group. Now, some of us would be split in the room whether we'd want to go back to being 17 or 18, or maybe we're like, well, maybe 23, uh, get rid of the teen years or something. But the reality is, these students have their whole life ahead of them. And I think with this group, what, what would happen? So you students, I'll look up here at the screen for a moment, all right? Well, anyone can look up there, but I want the students to. What would happen if you really, if you just told the Lord, whatever you want for my life, I'll do that. Can, can, I, can I be honest with you? Probably it would save you a lot of heartache. If you just say, God, I don't know what it is. Like when I was your age, they would say, write a blank check. You have no idea what that means. God, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want. Just submit. But hey, it's, it's not something for just 14-year-olds or 18-year-olds, right? You know, there's, there's people in, the, in this church that 93, 94 years old that drove themselves to church here this morning. I'm not sure if we celebrate that or not, but <laughs> they did it. And they're some of the most faithful people who probably, wow, I was thinking about that, 80 years ago when they were 14. Hey, God, I submit whatever we want for my life. And, and some of you here that are 14, if you could go talk to some of these 94-year-olds back there, they're going to tell you the same thing I just told you. If you submit and surrender, you're not going to regret it. You know, maybe the next pastor of Hallmark is sitting right there. Maybe the next worship leader is sitting right there. I'm not trying to get rid of you, Ben, but, but maybe. <laughs> what would change in your life, whether you're 14 or 94 or somewhere between, if you were just to say, God, whatever you want for my life, I surrender and I submit. So we need to repent and we need to receive God's forgiveness and eternal life. We need to submit and, and then we need to surrender. And number three, we need to choose faith over fear. Here, here's the truth. It gets real easy when life gets difficult to doubt the goodness of God. And what I tried to tell you earlier this morning is I, I completely understand and, and God has saved me from a lot of that. God has saved me from a lot of those, those doubts because I, I, God has just blessed me in a lot of ways. And I'm not asking him to test me, trust me. I'm, I'm trying to be grateful that I, I haven't been through all those things. But I understand that when, when life gets difficult, it's real easy to doubt the goodness of God. And when we live in fear, we forget 
the faithfulness of God. So, so we need to constantly be looking around at God's blessing. We need to be constantly looking back at God's deliverance. And we need to be constantly looking up and asking God to give us faith. You know, this morning, you probably fit into one of these three categories. These three action steps, these three things that, that you should do, these last three points here that we're going we're gonna to repent and we're going to see, we're going to submit and we're going to surrender, we're going to have faith over fear. You probably fit into one of those three action steps this morning. You probably need to take one of those steps this morning. For some of you in the room this morning, you need to take step number one, and that is to repent and receive eternal life. And can I challenge you to do that right now? You don't have to wait till we all stand and we start singing. You don't have to wait until I come to your house and we, we open up the Bible and I show you those things. You, you could do it right now, and this is how simple it is. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means you'll have eternal life. That means you'll have forgiveness of sins. That means you'll have a, a home in heaven. That means you have a restored relation with God, your creator. And it says, if you will believe in your heart and you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he was, that he died for your sins, and that as we celebrated last week, he came back to life, you can have eternal life. Amen. You could do that right now. In fact, I want, I want to lead you through what, as some people have termed, a sinner's prayer. It's just a model prayer at all it is. But if you would like to repent and receive eternal life, I'm going to ask you, you could repeat these words after me, or you could paraphrase it, put them in your own words. It's not that you're talking to me. It's just repenting, receiving what's the gift that's already waiting for you. And you may not be aware of this, but did you guys know that you can pray with your eyes open? Did you know that? If you pray while you drive, I would encourage it. So here it is. If, if you want to repent and receive... It's you talking to God, and, and you may some, say something like this, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. And I know my sins separate, you from, separate me from you. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I confess that I need Jesus. Would you come into my life? and save me. That's it. Based on what God's word says, if you confess and you believe, you call the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Not maybe. It's done. And then Ephesians 1.14 says that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. If you gave your life to Christ right now, he gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will never leave you, and you'll be in the presence of God one day. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I'm going to ask Ben, if you would, to come and as we prepare for a time of response. 
And I just want to ask real quick this morning if, if God led you to pray that prayer with me. I would love to know that just because I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out, but, but I would like to know so I can pray. If you prayed that prayer this morning with me, would you just put your hand up right now? Just hold it up for a moment. It's a, it's a little dark in here, but it'll take me a minute probably to spot your hand. So if you put it up and put it up high, I'm not going to call you out. Just put your hand up right now. I prayed that prayer. I repented and I received. Just put it up for a moment. Thank you. There's one. Any, anyone else? Just put your hand up. How many would say, John, you know, when you talked about submitting and surrendering, that was a little challenging. But, but God's talking to me about that right now. If that's you, would, would you just put your hand up this morning? Well, quite a few of us. Just put your hand up. God's talking to me about just surrendering everything. God, it, my life is yours, whatever you want. Just put it up. There's a lot of us. Just put your hand up. God, you see these hands, you, and, and you know their hearts. God, I pray whatever it is in their life that they're needing to, to surrender control of, that you would give them the courage and the grace to do that today, just to release it, just, just submit and surrender their life. And who would say this morning, John, I'm really struggling with fear or faith because right now in my life, it doesn't seem like God is good. If that's you, would, would you put your hand up this morning as well? A lot, a lot of people, just put your hand up. God, you, you know the hearts of these people in their hands. Lord, you know the circumstances that they're facing. Lord, give them the faith to trust that even in difficulty that you are good and that you're in control. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And Lord, I am, I, I, again, I pray for these that have raised their hands today that you would continue this conversation with them, continue to speak into their life. In a moment, we're, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a song that one of my favorite songs is called Good, Good Father because we serve a good, good father. And so it's an opportunity for us to worship through music. But if you would like to pray this morning, maybe you made a decision to repent and receive Christ. Maybe you just need to talk to God about surrender. Maybe you need to talk to God about fear or faith. It's an opportunity if you would like to come forward and pray. The altar here is just available for you to come and pray. If you would like for one of us to pray with you, we will have men and women up here. We're going to be standing facing you. And, and if you would like for us to pray for you, we would love to pray with you. Just come and shake our hand and, and ask, would you, would you pray with me? If you want to pray by yourself, come forward, just kneel. You could sit on the front row, just pray. But this, this next few minutes is just an opportunity for us as a, as a faith community, as a church family, just to worship. Would you stand with me this morning as we're again in a spirit of prayer and a spirit of worship? 
And let's just sing this morning about our good, good father and to our good, good father.